Hey folks, this is host Patrick O'Reilly. What you're about to hear is actually a mini-sode, which would usually be a Patreon exclusive, but I've decided to include this one in the regular feed because we have a special guest here, and I wanted her to get the most circulation she could. So without further ado, please enjoy a vintage video mini-sode review of Gamera Super Monster. Oh, I'm short! I don't remember you being this short. How'd you get so short? My father was a short son of a bitch. Either that or it's got a very short clone. And my brother was real short. We couldn't even see him. Smaller and smaller and Welcome to a vintage video belated anniversary minisode, where I'll be touching on some of the films we missed on their 40th and 41st anniversaries, overanalyzing what you've seen and spoiling what you haven't. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Addie O'Reilly. And today marks the 42nd anniversary of the release of Gamera Super Monster. On May 7th, 1980, it was written by Nissan Takahashi, directed by Noriaki Yuasa and Shigeo Tanaka, and released by New Daie. Before we get started, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Addie? Well, I'm in second grade, and I am eight years old. How are we related? Because you're my dad. And you are my... And I'm your daughter. That's right. And what planet were you born on? Do you remember this? Earth. The same planet I am on right now. I have always been on the same planet. Is that true? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. All right. I'm taking your word for it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever been on any other planet. I don't know. Sometimes I look away. I'm not always watching you. Wow. Anyway, shall we dig into the film? Sure. Toho's Godzilla, the first official kaiju, got his first movie in 1954, and it was very successful in the box office. Several other studios were quick to emulate Toho's success. Daie entered the kaiju game with their more child-friendly monster, Gamera. Despite a very destructive introduction, over the course of the series, Godzilla became a protector of Japan. Gamera, however, is depicted from the beginning as a friend to all children. In most of his films, Gamera starts as a turtle, usually transformed by radiation, into a towering kaiju monster. Not unlike the Ninja Turtles, how they kind of transform because of mutagen into superhero monsters. But with the Ninja Turtles, if they were radioactive, kind of, they turned into more of like a human-like kind of human. Yeah, they're not kaiju-sized. but Yeah, they're definitely not kaiju-sized. But they're also, I would say, monsters, technically. Yes, they are both <laughs> definitely monsters. Yeah. Gamera Super Monster is actually the eighth film in the Gamera series, but it's essentially a clip show because every monster he fights here is a reuse of footage from an earlier movie. On top of that, we also get clips from multiple animated series. Space Battleship Yamato and Galaxy Express 999. Was that confusing to see cartoons suddenly in this movie? Yes. With the puppets and the animation, I've never seen those two combined before, so it was really actually really weird for <laughs> yeah, me to see it like that. It kind of like pulls that. you out of the reality yeah. of the movie. Like the Godzilla series, the Gamera movies are divided into eras like the Showa and Heisei era. Gamera Super Monster is the last film of the Showa era, but a lot of people don't even count this as a real Gamera film because it uses so much recycled footage from other things. Altogether, the film only features two minutes of new Gamera footage, and I think it's all the stuff of the Gamera puppet watching cartoons for no reason. Like, his <laughs> mouth is just opening and closing <laughs> as he's like looking at a spaceship. Parent company Daie was in dire financial straits and threw this film together with the hopes that it could pull them out of debt. Their efforts failed and Daie was forced to file for bankruptcy. 
After this epic fail, Gamera wouldn't return to the big screen for 15 years. So it took a long time before they made another Gamera movie. Yeah, it's after actually this. surprising that they had to take it off for that long. I, I thought maybe like nine years or something, but 15 years is a lot. Yeah, it's a long time. We start with a shot of space under the opening credits, and Gamera's theme is being sung. <laughs> The camera zooms in on the Milky Way galaxy, and a narrator tells us how small we are in comparison to the universe. It also mentions a pirate spaceship called Xanon in space that is hellbent on destroying the Earth. The ship looks a lot like a Star Destroyer from Star Wars released three years prior, like almost exactly like a Star Wars ship. And we even get the requisite ship flying over the camera shot from the beginning of those films. It's a neat model ship, though. This I'm still pretty sure that was recycled footage, though. I don't know if it was recycled Maybe footage. Maybe it was or... recycled footage, but, like, slightly modified to make sure it wasn't the exact same. That's possible. We cut right to a cat sleeping in the window display of a pet shop. The woman who runs the shop says hello to her animals, and suddenly she's getting a page and tugs on her earlobe in response. We cut across town to a Mazda dealership where a saleswoman hears another beeping page and taps her earlobe as well. She quickly changes into what looks like a superhero outfit and jumps straight into the sky from a second floor balcony. Yeah. Were you expecting that from a monster movie? No, and then they do this weird dance. Yeah, they like, like have turn, coordinated they, they arm movements. They do these like weird arm movements and leg movements things. Yeah, they're doing like the YMCA dance. dance. <laughs> yeah. A third woman is seen dismissing her class of students for the day outside of school. When they're out of sight, she pulls on her earlobe too and then races back to the playground to change into a third superhero outfit. The pet shop owner, who we will learn is named Kilara, locks up her store and runs to her van. She plays a few notes on a double-decker Casio keyboard on her dashboard, which causes the van to glow orange and then transform into a ball which floats into the sky. So it's like a, an alien spaceship that's disguised as a car every day in right. the same parking lot for yeah. some reason. And it's somehow activated by the keyboard in the front of it. Yeah. I think this whole movie has to, something to do with pianos. I don't know why. Yeah, there's a lot of organs and keyboards. Pianos and organs and just stuff to activate other things. Yeah. The other two costumed women fly into the orange blob, and Kilara says she called them here because she sensed something bad was about to happen. She asks Marsha, the car dealer, and Mitan, the teacher, if they sensed anything, but they didn't seem to. Suddenly, a broadcast comes in from pirate ship Xanon. The voice threatens them, so the three women do a coordinated waving gesture, and then we see the glowing van park on the roof of the Mazda dealership parking structure. The three women agree that they need to stop this evil force from space, but they don't have any weapons to defend the planet with, because they're like peaceful aliens so yeah. they don't want to attack they're, anybody they're aliens that are trying to save them but because they're trying to save them they don't want to hurt them so right. they don't bring anything yeah we see a glittery shooting star fall from the sky and then swing in a loop around tokyo tower it lands in a nearby park and transforms into another woman in costume her name is garugi and she speaks to the spaceship xanon through a communicator watch her job is to kill everything here that tries to get in their way when she slaps her watch to end the call, she transforms into a normal Earthling outfit. 
Moments later, a few guys on the sidewalk try to ask her out, and she taps one of them on the shoulder, which seems to electrocute him. <laughs> like, he's yeah, glowing like, with yellow lines. He's glowing with yellow lines, and he just keeps walking for some reason. Like, yeah. it looks kind of weird. <laughs> like, she just tapped him, and now he's radioactive. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to a living room where a young boy named Kaichi is playing Camp Town Races on another two-story Casio keyboard like the one in Kilara's van. The boy's mother congratulates him on some good playing. Later, Kaichi finds his friends reading a comic book at a park. This particular issue features a cameo from Kaichi's favorite monster, Gamera. The origin story of the comic book's Gamera monster seems to be an ordinary turtle transformed into a kaiju. Kaichi's friends are more interested in a different superhero called Muscle Man, who weirdly doesn't appear in the film at all. I, yeah, I thought just, maybe Muscle Man would show up at the last second. Yeah, like, it's just a random other character that you're not supposed to talk about. Right. The three boys decide that they need to find a policeman with a turtle, like what they saw in their comic book. Weirdly, they find one right away, and he seems to know why they're here. I'm not the policeman from one of your comic books, you know. Yes, but you do have a turtle with you. Someone left it behind. I'll give it to the zoo for the time being, because I can't keep it. You want to have a look at it? He jokingly tells the boys to leave him alone, or else he'll arrest them, and they are all scared by the threat until he laughs. Yeah. I don't think a policeman can actually do that to kids. They're just like, you better not annoy me or else I'll arrest you. But it's uh, that's also illegal, so haha. -ha. <laughs> Kaichi heads directly into Kilara's pet store and starts talking to her turtles. For some reason, the lady just gives him a turtle for free. She's just like, oh, you like turtles? Here's a turtle. Yeah, that's not a very standard business. No, not no, really. They're going to lose a ton of money now. <laughs> He chooses a specific turtle from a corner of the tank and claims that he and the turtle can communicate telepathically. I didn't. Did he talk to the turtle though? I don't remember them I saying th anything. I th I'm pretty sure that I'm pretty sure the woman asked him like, "What? No. What? Why? What?" <laughs> Why and then this he was one? like, "I can talk to him now. Shut up and give me the turtle." <laughs> Kilara gets another sense that something wrong is happening and urges Kaichi out of the store with his new turtle. He's impressed that she can sense trouble this way and randomly guesses at her true identity. Ah, you sound like a real space woman. Uh, <laughs> I wish I was. The voice from space tells her that a bunch of terrible things are about to happen on Earth. We cut right to Mount Fuji erupting into a volcano. A thick plume of smoke fills the sky, bubbling lava flows down the sides of the mountain, and a Chinook full of government agents fly overhead to observe the scene. A Chinook is like... A helicopter that has a propeller yeah. on both sides. That entire scene, I would at first it wasn't it wasn't actually happened, but I can just I just I just pretended to hear the little screams of the people running. Yeah, because they were <laughs> but, scared of the volcano. Yeah, they were scared, so they were just running away. Yeah, because <laughs> there's people that live close to Mount Fuji. It's yeah. right on top of the city. As the craft passes over a bright blue lake, laser beams fire up out of the water and slice the Chinook in half. The government agents fall out of the plane in mid-flight. Japan scrambles a flock of JSDF fighter jets. JSDF stands for Japan Self-Defense Force, and that's basically their version of the army that they can use for self-defense to protect their country. Imagine actually trying to pronounce that. Like, you know, they normally just, just say the letters. Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what these planes are supposed to do, though. Are they just supposed to shoot at the volcano? Why did you get jets for this? But also, if you shot at the volcano, then more lava would come out. Yeah, like, that could why? make it worse. <laughs> yeah. They do a bombing run over the lake that fired the laser and are consequently sliced to ribbons by more lasers. 
We cut to Kaichi's mother sweeping her porch, and inside she can hear Kaichi playing Gamera's theme song on his keyboard. He's clearly singing it to his own pet turtle, and I think even the turtle appreciates it. And he's surprisingly good at it. Yeah, like, and he really wrote good. this song, he says later. Yeah. His coffee table is littered with comic books, and a couple are open to pages about Gamera. Mom finally comes in and tells him to stop playing the organ all day, which is the opposite of what you'd expect. Yeah, Usually you... it's, you play that all day, please. Kaichi's mother tries to convince him to ditch this turtle in the wild because animals like wide open spaces and moms don't like pet turtles. <laughs> yeah, sometimes pets can be just a burden in your house. Yeah, maybe. Turtles, I don't even know how to take care of a turtle properly. What do they eat? Do you just buy turtle food or do they, do they actually eat something? I think they eat like lettuce and vegetables and stuff like that. I'm pretty sure they're herbivores, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's not like where you dump a bunch of rats in there. <laughs> no, no, no. That's why I don't want a snake. Exactly. So I don't have to keep dead rats in my fridge. You don't. They don't have to be dead. Sometimes people feed them live to oh, their snakes. no. Yeah, I don't think you'd want to do that any more than no. you'd want to feed them a dead rat. Oh, no, 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 no. I think I'd probably rather feed the snake a dead rat than a live one. <laughs> yeah. I'd rather feed it lettuce. The snake just slowly dies. <laughs> He asks Gamera if he would like to be set free in the wild, and Gamera winks a yes at him. So it's like, I guess the turtle understood and doesn't want to be in this tank. He takes his new pet to a river under a bridge and sets it free in the water. The turtle swims right away from him. Suddenly, we see a mountain explode and a huge pterodactyl-looking monster emerges from the rubble. It waves its enormous wings and blows away tanks and buildings. It's basically identical to the famous Godzilla enemy Rodan. Also, I'm surprised that it's that it's so big it's able to blow away tanks. Like, those things are seriously heavy duty. Yeah. This kaiju is the supersonic monster, Gauss. And he's facing off against the JSDF and winning. Gauss flies low over a crowded city and fires lasers into huge pagodas, causing them to crumble. Pagodas are those giant, like, four-story yeah. Japanese buildings. We see a train pulling into town, and the passengers notice the monster destroying the city. Gauss slices off the roof of the train and then leans over the top as people run for their lives. You probably heard more of that people running and screaming sound here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we see two of the three space girls waiting on a third, but she's stuck in traffic with her Mazda and comes up with a discreet plan. She does her hand gestures and then changes costumes in a flash of light. But she's outside of her car doing this where everybody can see her. Where before they were like trying to hide to do this. Yes, so she's either weirdly working against them or she's just being really stupid. Yeah, I, I think stupid because yeah. she seems like she's supposed to be a good guy. <laughs> yeah. She gets into the car and then hits some keys on her dashboard again and the whole thing vanishes. And you would think this would be shielded from the general public in some way. But the guy in the car behind her saw the whole thing happen and he's like freaking out. He's like... Yeah, ru ah! rubs his eyes. Yeah. He rubs his eyes and he's just crazy. We cut to the evil woman, Garugi, sending a report to Xanon. She is informed by her masters that she must destroy the space women. Marsha's Mazda appears on the roof of the Mazda dealership where her friends are waiting. Right as she gets out of it, it's struck with a laser beam from space and disappears. Lasers are getting too overpowered. Yeah. Like in that movie, lasers can just destroy everything. Yeah, they just touch it once and it's gone. <laughs> yeah. Even though she just changed into her space costume, she spins around and changes back into business attire so they don't give themselves away. Seems like they already found you, though, if they're zapping your cars out of existence. Yeah. It turns out they can only be tracked when they're in their superhero forms, so they have to lay low. So unless it's really an emergency, 
We must transform ourselves into earth women. Yes. yes. We cut to Kaichi at the front doors of the pet shop, but it's closed. He walks around the back of the building and right into the living room of the shop owner, the leader of the space women, Kilara, with her two friends, Marsha and Mitan. He's here to apologize for putting the turtle in the river, but she thinks he's very kind for setting it free. Oh, why don't you set all your animals free then? Just open the doors and dump all your cages, <laughs> ma'am. Here you go. And then for some reason she just let a little bunny out into the street and then a car just runs straight over it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why she's keeping them so they don't get run over. Ah, uh, he's much happier now. <laughs> he notices the organ in the corner of her living room and asks if he can play a march he wrote for Gamera. Do you mind? I'll play the Gamera march I wrote on your organ. Sure. How does it go? He begins to play, and the women are very entertained by his skills. For the second half of the song, Kilara has a very serious look on her face, but they break into applause when he finishes. Kaichi wishes that his turtle would turn into Gamera and defeat Gauss. So wait, does everything he say come true? Um, Cause it his does turtle, seem like that. Because his turtle did come into Gamera. G- it's tricky because it's called Gamera. Gamera. But the kid keeps saying Gamera. Yeah. Because a lot of the time when they when they bring in an American actor to dub over the voice that they don't they necessarily know how know to the, actually pronounce yeah. it. Yeah, I'm probably going to accidentally go back and forth between Gamera and Gamera because of how the kid Gamera, says Gamera, it. Gamera, Gamera, Gamera. No, it's more like camera versus Gamera. So you're putting the emphasis on the second Gamera. syllable instead of the first syllable. <laughs> exactly. Gamera. Exactly like that. <laughs> the space women seem unfamiliar with Gamera and weirdly accept immediately that this giant turtle might save the day if they can't. For some reason, Kilara and her friends leave the apartment, but they leave Kaichi playing the organ in her living room. She's like, just stay in my house while we're gone, kid. I totally won't kidnap you. Just stay in here. Leave you home alone. Lock the door behind her. In a nearby park, they transform into their superhero outfits, which should draw the attention of the bad guys, and immediately we see Garugi's watch flash, and a laser is fired by Spaceship Xanon. While in their superhero forms, Kilara makes a quick announcement that they are joining forces with Gamera. They dodge the shots and then transform back into normal humans. Kaichi is still playing the organ when he hears a loud monster roar outside and runs to check it out. He smiles wide when he sees Gamera flying over the city. It honestly looks like a Macy's Day balloon or something. It's just floating in place and its yeah, mouth just, is just... Ah, it's a very robotic pattern. It's like a weird superhero, except it doesn't move its mouth like a person. Yeah. The space women are also relieved to see Gamera flying over the city. In addition to being much larger than a regular turtle, Gamera also has flames shooting out of his back, which propel him through the air. So he's a flying turtle. Yes, he's... He's the opposite of a human. The a opposite of a human flying, is a flying turtle. A giant flying turtle. Three things I am not. <laughs> Garugi notices that Kaichi somehow knows this turtle's name, and he tells her that Gamera was his pet and will defeat Gauss. That night, we see a car driving along the freeway trying to get pictures of Gauss. A laser beam slices the car in half, and they barely survive the encounter. 
Gamera comes flying into the scene like a frisbee, with flames shooting out of all four leg holes. Gauss is able to dodge him for a while, but eventually they collide head-on. Gauss's lasers have no effect on Gamera's shell. What's even in there? Inside the shell? Like a ton of rockets <laughs> and a bunch of firecrackers, like maybe even a chainsaw. I have no idea. There's <laughs> it, so many things. There must be some kind of a fuel, right, if he's yeah. shooting flames out in all directions. Maybe, his, maybe instead of having a normal turtle body, he just has a giant engine. Maybe. <laughs> like a car. Well, we'll see inside of him later, sort of. Yeah. Together they crash into the water where they wrestle some more. The next day after school, Kaichi and friends talk about seeing Gamera on the news. Garugi sees the boys and tells them that she was there watching the fight in person. She tells them that Gauss will surely defeat Gamera, and he is very confused why she's rooting for the bad guy. We get more footage of Gauss and Gamera fighting. He fires his lasers on Gamera over and over until he slices Gamera's tail open, and Gamera hides in his shell. Gauss carries him high in the sky and then drops him into a forest. Gamera picks up a rock and throws it into Gauss's mouth to block the lasers. Suddenly we can hear Gamera's theme song on the track and the tables have turned. Gamera climbs on top of Gauss and chews on his neck until Ew. he bleeds out. Oh my, ah. <laughs> this movie's for kids, jeez. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> he then carries Gauss to the top of Mount Fuji, which is now an active volcano, and tosses him into the lava. The space women watching on TV are happy to see Gauss defeated. They wish Kaichi could see this, because it's not really a TV, it's like a weird monitor they have that's magical and they can see whatever they want to. But then they mention a new power that we haven't seen before from Kaichi, that he can see Gamera in his dreams. And we cut right to Kaichi in bed confirming this power. He did it! My Gamera did it! He did it! Okay, so whatever he dreams, that's what happens? Except for the cartoons, I would hope. But well, yeah, who except knows? for those hard cartoons, but whatever, who cares? Xanon pages Garugi and asks who the hell this Gamera is that defeated his monster, and she says that he seems to work for the kid. Kaichi excitedly tells his mom that Gamera has defeated Gauss, but she doesn't seem to have any idea what he's talking about. It's like everybody's minds were wiped, and no one remembers this huge kaiju fight that destroyed yeah, the whole so city. Yeah, so it's just like, oh hey, remember this guy? I really don't understand why it's not in all the papers today. You've been dreamy again, haven't you? Since his mom doesn't believe his story, he heads to the pet shop to discuss it with Kilara. Kilara confirms his dream that Gamera won, and he leaves excitedly. Right outside, Garugi intercepts him and offers to take him out for burgers to celebrate Gamera's victory. <laughs> you excited for burgers, burgers. now? Burgers, yeah, we're gonna go get burgers now. She asks Kaichi who he has told about Gamera's victory, and he says just his mom and the pet shop lady, and she goes to investigate Kilara. She scans Kilara with her watch and doesn't get a signal, but figures out why immediately. There's no reaction when I point my radar watch at her. Maybe she's transformed herself. Excuse me! Garugi offers to bring Kaichi to a Gamera fight. She takes him around a corner and tells him to close his eyes, and when he does, she taps a button on her watch to teleport him through a crazy portal to a beach somewhere. Which it was I kind of scary when this happened. Which I think it made him feel sick, right? He was like... Argh. Yeah. He was like freaking out in there. Because it's like just a bunch of spiraling colors and he's in the middle of it screaming. She appears there too and he guesses for the second time in the film that someone is a space woman and he's two for two. You must be one of the space women. You're right. Kids got space dar. Out in the ocean, he notices a new monster. Right now, it's just white fins sticking out of the water, but it slices through a big barge on the horizon, which explodes. Right away, Gamera's here to solve the problem. 
Gamera plunges into the sea and begins to fight with Zegra, the weird fish monster. But the title says, The Deep Sea Monster, Zegra. Zegra is from the seventh and most recent Gamera film, and actually seems to be the most original design of all the monsters we'll see here. It uses a sharp fin on its head like a blade and slices open Gamera's arm. Knife head. Knife head. Well, there's another more knife-looking guy later. Yeah, but this one still kind of has like a knife head. Yeah, it's very sharp. So, imagine him trying to make a salad. A salad? <laughs> He's chopping up the lettuce? Just, the way he makes a salad, he just listens to rock music. There you go. And he's headbanging as he chops it? <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Zegra manages to carve several huge slashes in Gamera's shell. Gamera's theme strikes up again as he grabs a hold of Zegra and carries it off into the sky. He drops the fish monster on solid ground from a great height and then just stomps the heck out of him. Again, Gamera disarms his enemy with a big rock, but jamming it on the point of Zegra's blade fin so that he can't cut him anymore. Because Zegra is so front-heavy now, it looks like Gamera has already won the fight and Zegra just falls on his face. <laughs> Kaichi suggests Gamera use his fire breath, which we hadn't seen until now, but yeah. it's a cool shot because we, we see... We've only seen fire legs. Right, yeah. But here we have, he's breathing fire and it's like a dude in a Gamera suit firing a 20-foot flamethrower across the beach and just roasting this Zegra costume. How can radioactive stuff do this to a just just a little weak turtle? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how this. How affected can radioactive his... gas or whatever do this to him? <laughs> I don't know, but now I'm I'm gonna start irradiating turtles to find out. <laughs> Garugi is disappointed that her monster has lost again. She just wanted to bring this kid here and show him his idol being sliced to ribbons by a fish monster, and things didn't go her way. I mean, jeez, why would they... Would, that's like torturing a kid. I know, it's not really nice. No. Kaichi thinks he spent enough time with this creepy stranger woman and tries to leave, but she won't let him. You're a bad-faced woman! Yes? Not true. It is! You don't even look happy when Gamera wins each time! We cut back to the pet shop where Kaichi's mother is talking to Kilara because she hasn't seen him and she's worried. After the mom leaves, Kilara heads back into her living room and hits a few keys on her keyboard to pull up the magic TV to see where Kaichi is. She can see Garugi chasing him across the beach. Can she pull up other things on that or is it just like the TV? Can she pull up like cartoons or something? Like I, I like, guess if Gamera is watching watch cartoons. I want to watch something. Like I'll go watch other people's lives. Like she has her own reality shows that she can just pull up. <laughs> but by... it's actually reality. <laughs> that would be good. Real reality. Kilara sees Garugi chasing Kaichi across the beach. He's running directly toward camera so she hits a few more keys to turn the screen into a portal and he jumps through it into her living room. Garugi is left very confused on the beach because this kid just vanished into thin air. Yeah. Garugi waves her watch around on the beach, but she can't get a signal anywhere. Kaichi manages to correctly identify a third and fourth space woman. I see. So you and those two ladies that you introduced me to that time are actually space women. <laughs> well, I might as well tell you. He asks if they all live here in this apartment, but she says, no, we all live in the van. Zanin calls down to Garugi on the beach to reprimand her for another failure. She begs for one more chance. All right, this is your last chance. That's not true. He's going to give her a few more chances. Yeah, just like, give me another chance. Give me another chance. Give me another chance. <laughs> yeah. Give me another chance. Fine, 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 fine. Back at the top of the Mazda dealership parking structure, Kilara opens the back of the van and lifts a small duffel bag out of it. She invites Kaichi to open it. 
Behind him, she does her little gestures to turn into a space woman and appears inside the tiny lunchbox. She's about Tinkerbell-sized, and now he believes for sure that she is from space. I thought she was a fairy. Yeah, kind of. She's I mean, like Tinkerbell-sized. It's a fairy. She just doesn't have wings is all. Well, yeah, and she's but a, she can fly anyway. And she can, and she's still kind of magical. Right. An alarm starts to go off in the car, so she turns back into a human. She warns Kaichi that they're planning another attack. We see Gamera crawling along a beach, and suddenly a squid tentacle rises from the waves. Deep space monster virus. V-I-R-A-S. Oh, I thought it was like virus as in like it's an actual virus. I think it's supposed to sound like that. Virus is from the fourth Gamera film, and though there are squid kaiju in the Godzilla canon, they don't look nearly as cool as Virus here. I really like the design of this. Yeah, Virus is awesome, but the only thing that isn't awesome about him is that he tries to feed Gamera. Yeah, because that's not nice. Yeah, no. Virus grabs Gamera around the neck, and he yanks the squid monster Virus out of the ocean and onto the beach. It keeps using tentacles to choke Gamera out and then throw him across the sand. As we've already learned, rocks are Gamera's best friend, and he tosses another one into the air so that Virus's spear of a head accidentally impales the stone. Maybe there are rocks inside him. Like, if they're his best friend, then he's just like, yeah, yeah. oh, just here's one. Crabbing out rocks and throwing <laughs> them at monsters. Maybe he just grabs out his heart as a rock. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Unfortunately, Virus is able to break the rock off its head and later impales Gamera through the chest on the beach. This does not look like a survivable hit. Magically, Gamera is still able to fly and lifts Virus into the upper atmosphere with this huge squid monster still stabbed into his chest. Also, when they did this, I thought they would both die because technically they were they are radioactive mutants now. Right. So they're still part animal, which means an animal still need to breathe. So I right. thought they would both die. Well, I think there's still oxygen as, as high as Gamera was bringing Virus, but the problem is that Virus is an undersea monster, so... Uh, it's wet and it's and it's soaked through with water. Where well, yeah, Gamera's Gamera, a little bit drier. I thought Gamera would just completely die. Right, but as you get that high into the air, it gets colder and colder, which is why sometimes you see snow at the tops of mountains, but yeah. not the whole way down. And so, as he's going higher and higher, he's actually freezing virus with the cooler atmosphere. Mm. And so you see like frost starts to form all around. And it's easier because he's covered it. in water. Yeah, exactly. So he starts to freeze into a solid shape, and then. He basically just drops it from up in the air. He starts spinning faster and faster until virus and, falls out. And then of it kind of melts him because of how fast he's going. Yeah, but as soon as as soon as we see virus hit the water, it looks like he's gone. And then yeah. the, the music plays as if this was a victory. He already won. Yeah. Garugi is obviously in trouble again, but blames this failure on the space women and promises to kill them. Kilara realizes it's time for her and her friends to save the planet. But first things first. Have you both taken days off yet? Yes. Very important. <laughs> you don't want to get fired in the middle of this whole problem. <laughs> Why get fired when you, you can save the Earth? Why have jobs when you can disappear and reappear in a store after it closes and take all the food you need? Yeah. At Kaichi's house, he's sneaking several monster books into bed before going to sleep. In his dreams, Gamera is flying through space, and we suddenly see this is the first bit of animated spaceship. And uh, it's actually from a show called Space Battleship Yamato. He's just f flying right next to the ship like, oh, look at his ship. Yeah, but they don't interact with each other or anything. It's just the ship goes past him and that's the end of the dream. Like, it, I mean, they could have just filled it in with space. Yeah, like, it didn't need to be anything. Yeah, that spaceship has nothing to do with any other part of the movie. Yeah. Garogi appears outside the van of the space women in the middle of the night and places a time bomb on the outside of it. 
When the time runs out, the van is wrapped in yellow lightning and then vanishes, leaving smoking tire tracks in its place. The next day, Kaichi finds the scorch marks in the parking lot and freaks out. He notices the little lunchbox on the ground and opens it to find Kilara and her friends. He shows them what happened to the van. They're just as shocked as Kaichi and turn into full-size earthwomen to survey the damage. Kaichi is confused how they could have survived the attack, but Kilara explains that their sleeping box is protected by a powerful force field, not unlike the black box of an airplane, which just begs the age-old question, why not make the whole van out of the protective force field? Yeah. And he says the same thing, basically. Why can't the barrier protect the car from burning? The reason is, the barrier requires great energy. We only have enough to protect the box. So make more energy. Why can't you make more energy? Just plug yourselves into an outlet here at the Mazda dealership. Because they're too lazy to walk themselves, they plan to shrink back into the sleeping box and make Kaichi carry it back to the pet shop. Apparently they can look like superheroes as long as they're inside the box because the force field shields them from being seen by Zanin. Kaichi takes them straight to the pet shop, but he's spotted outside the door by Garugi. Kaichi lies that he doesn't know where the space women went, and Garogi runs around the corner to report to Zanin that she has found them because she doesn't trust the kid. Zanin tells her that it's time to send Giant Devil Beast Jiger from Gamera's sixth installment, who most closely resembles Anguirus from the Godzilla films. He comes crashing down on a building which causes it to explode. He's got the moves like Jiger. <laughs> Almost immediately, there are JSDF planes in the air around him, but Jiger can fire little porcupine quills into the air, and all the jets are quickly impaled and crash. He also fires a little beam from the horn on his head, which incinerates a whole group of tanks, and then a big circle of a city, like all the buildings just turn into ash. Also, what the heck is he? Like, what animal is he? Aren't they supposed to be animal mutants? I guess this one kind of has porcupine stuff, but he has all these horns on his head. Yeah, and, and like, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. It's just like a combination of animals. I think these ones might just be aliens that, yeah. that Xanon developed on his own. And Gamera is definitely a mutant, though. Yes. Eventually, Gamera shows up to save the day again, but in the meantime, dozens more Japanese soldiers are incinerated into skeletons. Yeah. For some reason, Garugi is surprised to see Gamera here, like he hasn't been saving the day over and over and over again so far. Gamera grabs a big silo, and every time Jiger fires quills at him, he catches them with the structure and then throws it in Jiger's face to block the holes that he's firing the quills from, so there he can't shoot anymore because there's something stuck on his head. Unlike porcupines, we can just shoot them whenever. I don't know how porcupine quills work. I think they just come off when they get stabbed into people. I don't know if they can shoot them out. I'm pretty sure they can. It's like a self-defense thing. I don't know. I'd have to look into it. Eventually, he grabs Jagger by the tail and lifts him up and then smashes him down against the ground to defeat him. That's it. That's all it took yeah, for this one. It's just like... Other things, he had to shove a giant rock and freeze him. Uh, this one, nope, just, just slap him on, him on the, the floor. <laughs> yeah. Zanin is mad at Garugi for failing a fourth time and asks if she is prepared to die. She asks for one last chance for the third time in a row, and Zanin is like, sure, whatever, I don't care. Somehow it hasn't occurred to Garugi until now that Zanin should be able to fire a laser that installs a mind control device on Gamera. It works immediately, and Garugi starts giving him orders. Gamera, go and destroy the Earth! Go and destroy the Earth! Now we get footage from the first Gamera film, where he's actually destroying stuff. 
Yeah. First, he's hitting a hydroelectric dam, and then he demolishes the attached power plant. But the stuff of Gamera being evil is actually from the first movie, where Gamera kind of starts out as evil, but is protective of children still. Yeah. Gamera has suddenly started to attack Japan. It's cool because he frisbees right into the side and just smashes this dam open, and the water spilling out looks really cool. It's a great model. Yeah. We see Gamera stomping through a neighborhood, and the shaking earth knocks over a small poster for a movie called Dojira, which roughly translates to Dogzilla, because they're taking a shot at their own rival franchise. They're like, oh yeah, your hero is Godzilla? Well, we're going to put a poster for Dogzilla. But because they're a different company, they they can't exactly copy it, so they said Dogzilla. Yeah, but it's also just to make fun of them, like... Oh, your guy sucks. Gamera's the cool one. Dogzilla is actually um, a video on YouTube. Like, it shows, like, Dogzilla if a dog was Godzilla. And it's just destroying buildings and stuff? <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Kaichi is very embarrassed that Gamera has switched sides. Strangely, in all of this footage of Gamera destroying Japan, we can tell he doesn't have a mind control device attached to him because it's footage from another movie. They're just trying to explain why he would do that in the middle yeah. of this movie. Yeah. Kilara pulls up another video monitor with a live feed of Gamera flying through the air. She dials a couple more keys and suddenly we get like an x-ray view of Gamera to see how his internal organs are arranged. Except it's actually internal organs instead of a bunch of rockets and firecrackers. Yeah, there's no chainsaw in here. Oh, come on. (laughs) They notice something shimmering on the back of his neck and decide they have to blow it up to free Gamera's brain from Xanon's control. Because the space women are not allowed to use weapons, Kilara decides that she will use Xanon's own weapons against him. She will turn into a space woman on top of the mind control device and then dodge a laser beam to destroy it. But we've already seen that it takes Xanon like one second to install it, so it's probably not a huge help to destroy it. He'll just put another one there. Yeah, but apparently the movie says, like, there's only one of them, so it's blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Kilara turns into a space woman and Garugi immediately finds her. Kilara flies toward Gamera and Xanon fires several lasers at her on the way. She finds the device on Gamera's back which looks a lot like a tiny UFO and then dodges the laser just in time to erase the device like it just completely vanishes the same way the Mazda did earlier. Yeah, I thought it would just blow his head off. Yeah, I thought it might be explosive too. I was a little worried. I thought it was just gonna like like a tiny little explosion for that and then it just just explodes Gamera. You just see, like, Kaichi standing on the sidewalk and Gamera's head just lands in front of it. The size (laughs) of a car. Kilara lands back in the same park and turns into an Earth Woman again. Kaichi is excited to see Gamera flying around of his own free will now and shouts encouraging words to him. Gamera replies only in elephant trumpets. (laughs) Exactly. Gamera! Destroy them! Amazingly, Kilara doesn't decide until now to help Kaichi find his way home because his mom's been looking for him all day. That would be scary for a mom. Yeah. Just like, hi, my kid's missing. Help me find him. Yeah, and also there have been giant monsters fighting all over the city today. Yeah, so he's like, did he die? Did somebody step on him? (laughs) Garugi approaches Kaichi and the girls. Garugi pulls out a giant ray gun and points it in Kilara's face. Kilara tells the girls to take Kaichi away and then dodges a lot of laser fire. Turns out Garugi is a lousy shot. Kilara is able to kick the gun from her hand and the two fight unarmed in the park. Anytime Garugi does an impressive stunt, like a standing backflip, her legs suddenly look very manly because it's a guy doing these stunts. Yeah. 
Eventually, she is knocked down in the dirt beside her gun and tries to grab for it, but accidentally shoots herself in the leg. She goes for the gun again, but Kilara gets there first and trains it on her. But we learned earlier that Kilara can't use weapons, so Garugi is safe for now. She tosses the gun back to Garugi, and it seems to make an impression. Garugi collects the gun and points it at Kilara, but she can't bring herself to pull the trigger because of the kindness Kilara has shown her. Instead, Garugi points the blaster at her own head and prepares to kill herself for her own multiple failures. Which I thought she wouldn't do because I thought she was just going to get them to come close to her and then just be like, haha, suckers. Oh, <laughs> like it was a double trick? Yeah. Maybe. Do you guys recall the last time we saw somebody kill themselves for multiple failures? Yeah. No, you don't. You didn't see this movie. Yes, I did. Our previous minisode, Kill or Be Killed, ends with the suicide of General Baron von Rudloff after multiple karate championship failures. Now we see giant evil beast Giron rising from the depths with a giant knife for a head. I can't find a knife-headed kaiju in the Toho-verse, but there is a kaiju literally just called Knife Head in Guillermo del Toro's Pacific Rim, which clearly draws inspiration from this character. Also, it kind of looks like a Pokemon that I know that's like a giant turtle. But Which one does? Like a... Knife Head from Pacific Rim or this guy? Giron in this movie looks like yeah, a Pokemon? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, th I do think there is one with a big there's like, blade. There's like one with this like big blade head kind of thing. Yeah. Gamera shows up and lures Giron into several attacks, but eventually sets the monster on fire. Giron throws Gamera a great distance, but Gamera catches on an orange bar suspended between two structures and swings around like a gymnast. Yeah, it looks a lot faker when they did it. Yeah, it looked like a pencil. It looked like he's literally swinging on a pencil yeah, in this model. And he looked way smaller because of it. Yeah, but eventually it jumps off of the beam and lands right in front of Giron. Giron keeps using the knife head to slash at Gamera, but he can't break the shell. Eventually, Giron just picks up Gamera and swings him in circles for a while until Gamera gets the upper hand and stabs Giron's head into a mountain range. We notice with an insert that Giron can also fire ninja stars from a cavity in the middle of his head. It fires these ninja stars at Gamera, but eventually they return like boomerangs. So they just slice him and then go right back into Giron so that he could shoot them again. Yeah, for a second I thought that was just Gamera catching them and throwing them back. Yeah, I can't really tell. Gamera picks up snow from the ground to treat where he's been sliced by these ninja stars, but he also uses a big chunk of rock to deflect more shots, and one of the ninja stars actually sticks into Giron's shoulder, so he gets hurt with his own little weapon. Yeah. Gamera falls into the water and sinks to the bottom, where Giron suddenly shows up to slice him across the back with his blade. Gamera grips Giron's feet and then flies him up into the air and pile drives him into the dirt. The reason this whole fight looks like it takes place on a different planet is because it totally does. Because in Giron's movie, they're on a different planet. They're not on Earth. So there's like weird domes and stuff in the background. It looks like they're on some weird alien planet yeah. with different society. A rocket is fired at Giron's knife head while he's stabbed upside down, but the blade slices the rocket in half. Gamera catches it, or one half of it, and then lobs it through the small opening that these ninja stars have been coming out of in Giron's head, and then breathes fire on it to blow up the knife monster. This is the most brutal kill of the whole movie. Yeah, I, think. I know some other ones are, like, really bad, but that one is just, like, he completely just explodes Yeah, him. there's nothing left of this guy. Yeah. 
We cut to a star twinkling rainbow colors in space, and we see Gamera chasing an animated train into the sky. This footage comes from Galaxy Express 999, and you would expect, of course, that this is another of Kaichi's dreams, because otherwise it would make no sense for a live-action monster to be interacting with a cartoon in the reality of this story, but it's actually Garugi's dream this time. Inexplicably, the evil alien woman sits up in bed, and she's sleeping beside Kaichi, Apparently with his mother's blessing, because she comes in to check on them both. Has he been with me all this time? <laughs> yes, he insists it's not safe to leave you alone. <laughs> Garugi is moved that this boy would take such good care of her after all the evil she's done. We hard cut to the next monster fight, and I think this is the last monster fight. The chilling monster Berugan, as he crawls over an exploding gas works. He looks like a giant chameleon monster, but he also vaguely resembles the Godzilla villain Baragon, which predates Berugan by a full year. Berugan premiered in the second film of the Gamera series. He knocks over Kobe Port Tower with his tongue. Berugan continues destroying the city of Kobe, occasionally taking fire from JSDF tanks, which succeed only in changing his direction through town. It doesn't seem to hurt him at all. Those, I think those planes and, and those like helicopters, they don't even do anything. They just help the monsters. Yeah, they're, they're really not hurting any of these guys. No. Huh? They're supposed to be like security things, right? I, yeah. They are either really, really bad at their job or they're on the other team. Well, I don't think they're used to these giant monsters either. Especially. Well, yeah, probably not. Baragon uses his ice breath and freezes the tanks in place and the entire city is quickly encased in frost. Jets arrive, and they are frozen as well, eventually shattering in midair. The plates on his back start to glow and emit a rainbow that demolishes a row of rockets preparing to fire on him. Accompanied by his theme, Gamera comes frisbeeing into the scene, crashing through the rainbow to interrupt Baragon's attack. Amusingly, Gamera can't control his descent and crashes through a huge palace as he arrives on the battlefield. They tackle each other back and forth using their ice and fire breaths. Gamera throws Baragon through a nearby bridge, and they fight more in the river beneath it. Gamera eventually drags Baragon under the water and drowns him. And then eventually we get the celebration score of, I won the fight. Hey, Gamera won again! Yeah, also, I mean, I know that's not as brutal as the other one, but still, that's kind of scary. Yeah, it seems pretty cold-blooded. <laughs> But I guess, is it better to blow him up with a rocket? I, I don't I, know. I can't tell. You tell us. Which one is better, blowing somebody up or drowning them? I think I'd rather blow up if I, I had think, to choose. Yeah, I think I would rather blow up because it's quicker. <laughs> yeah. Drowning, you would have to feel the pain the entire time yeah. as you're no, dying. No, thank you. No, thank you, Gamera. Blow me up, please. <laughs> Kaichi suggests that all the space women follow him to the park where Gamera will surely stop by to visit them. And he does, which I was surprised by. Garugi gets another message from her overlord, announcing that he has commanded spaceship Xanon to attack Earth itself instead of sending more kaiju. He asks her where the space women are now, and she says that she has placed her watch with them, and he can fire on her watch now to destroy them. But she's obviously wearing the watch. So wait, why would she do that? Because technically if they destroyed the Earth, that would destroy everything on it, including right. herself. I think she would probably get beamed up to her spaceship before uh, they yeah. blew up the Earth. But she sacrificed herself to save everybody else because she cares about these people now. Yeah. A yellow beam is blasted from space and strikes her in the chest, knocking her to the ground. The other space women rush to her side and she tells them about the attacking spaceship. 
Before dying, she wishes she could be reincarnated on this planet, and then she just dissolves away into nothing. Gamera leaves to fight the ship in space, and Kaichi pleads with him not to. Even though not fighting will kill everyone, including Gamera. Go ahead, Gamera. Go do it, I guess. Go have us not be killed. That'd be cool. Gamera appears to have learned the sacrifice play from Garugi and crashes head-on into the spaceship to destroy them both. Kaichi is sad to see the explosion in space, but the planet rejoices that they've been spared. Gamera sacrificed himself to save the Earth. He is fighting against evil. The space women put their costumes back on, and Kilara invites Kaichi to join them as a spaceman and takes him on a flying tour of the planet they just saved. The original ending called for Gamera to survive the explosion in space, but the director was so disappointed with the final cut of the film that he asked for Gamera to be killed so that the franchise couldn't get any worse. He was like, let's not make any more of these, please. Kill him. And that's the end of our film. I mean, I thought they could at least show a clip of him, like, with the with the space women, like, flying into space or whatever. But no, they just, like, come be a space person with us. And then it's just the end. No yeah. more. Goodbye. Yeah. I wonder if, if there was a sequel, if it would just follow Kaichi and the space women going to different galaxies and defending other planets. Yeah. And then eventually, because of how many times they did it, he just eventually turns into an alien. Yeah. Because what, of how many times. What did you think of this movie? yeah it was a nice movie would you watch another gamera movie if i found one probably you'd probably like some godzilla movies too maybe if i put yeah i think you tried to put one on for me and i was just like i think you liked godzilla versus king kong when we yes i did watch that one but that was a long time ago yes that was definitely long ago but yeah so you said a thumbs up probably yeah a thumbs up for this one it's a nice movie um I will give it a thumbs up, too, because it's got all the best fights of the Gamera series because yeah, it's, it's reusing them from other movies. Yeah, so it's just, it's kind of just like a ton of the Gamera, the clips from the fighting scenes just combined. Yeah, so that's if you want to see all the best Gamera fights, they're pretty much all in this movie. Yeah, but that's why it kind of looks weird because when the fights start, it looks like it's in a completely different setting. Yeah, the the color changes a little bit each yeah. time. and Yeah. The sun looks like it's a slightly different place. Yeah. But overall, a decent film. Um, It's still on my Letterboxd ranking for 1980 out of 202 films. I'm putting this in 183rd, which is just under Running Scared and just above American Success Company. So not the greatest section of uh, the list, but it could be worse. A lot of these minisodes have been much lower than that. Our director here was Noriaka Yuasa. He directed six of the seven previous Gamera films. All but the second film, Gamera vs. Baragon, but he did serve as a special effects director on that one. He also directed on the Ultraman series. Director Shigeo Tanaka directed the Gamera vs. Baragon, and he gets a credit here probably because they used that fight in this movie. Writer Nissan Takahashi is a writer for most of the previous Gamera films. The music here is from Shansuki Kikuchi. The music actually stands out as the film's greatest strength. Kikuchi is a popular anime composer, best known in the U.S. for his work on Doraemon and Dragon Ball Z. Recently, his song Urami Bushi from the early 70s Japanese film series Female Convict Scorpion was included by Quentin Tarantino in the Kill Bill soundtrack. (laughs) 
Sadly, Kikuchi just passed away last April while being treated for pneumonia. There are three credited cinematographers, probably because of all the reused footage. The first is Akira Kitazaki, who is a regular DP of the Gamera series. The next is Michio Takahashi, who worked on some previous Gameras, but more importantly as the DP of Hiroshima Monomore. This was his last credit. The last cinematographer is Akira Uihara, who, again, more Gamera, and this was also their last credit. Probably because this came out so long after they had worked on the footage that was used. Mak Fumiyaki played Kilara in the film. She was a professional wrestler at the time, and she also sings the Gamera theme used in the film. Which is not the traditional Gamera march. Sadly, she doesn't have too many credits because she is awesome in this. She's actually really great. Yeko Kojima played Marsha, just this. Yoko Kamatsu played Mitan, just this. Kaiko Kudo played Garugi, just this. Koichi Maeda played Kaichi, just this. And uh, the only other person with credits that I mentioned was uh, Toru Kawai, who played Gamera, but he also plays Godzilla in Terror of Mechagodzilla and a Tyrannosaurus in The Last Dinosaur from the makers of the Bushido Blade. I think that's everything for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Letterboxd, where, as I've said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. We also have a Discord now. Join the 24-7 movie chat and share your thoughts on episodes past, present, and future at VintageVideoPodcast.com Discord. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us for our next belated anniversary minisode when we'll be discussing Hog Wild, which IMDb describes like so. A boy, Tim Warner, expelled from military school, returns home to his father's disappointment. He discovers that a motorcycle gang has been terrorizing his high school and falls in love with the girlfriend, Angie Barnes, of the gang's leader, Bull. He battles the gang and wins both the admiration of his father and the love of the girl. Seems like a bit of a spoiler, but we leave you now with the trailer for Hog Wild. If you're over three foot six, breathe oxygen, and have a working knowledge of the alphabet, then you might want to consider joining the Rustlers and going Hog Wild. You have to be born mean. Mean. Oh, you must be articulate. Isn't that the whole bit of And have a pleasing personality. Drop your pants. Drop my pants. <laughs> Again, you must be well spoken. Not here. There. You know, it's not a joke so much as the way you tell it. You're a funny guy. If you're not suited to be a rustler, you might want to be patriotic and respect your parents. You never turn your back on anybody. Not even your own father. That's dumb. Very dumb. You're a little bit stupid, but you're you're showing a lot of majikni fufu. You know what I mean? <laughs> the rustlers are an equal opportunity destroyer. And when Bull comes to town, everyone goes hog wild. <laughs> The comedy that's 100% pure bull.